Hello, hello. It's Hannah Nieves of the HN House podcast. And I have the privilege of interviewing the Keisha Fitzgerald of the Empower Her podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Hannah, I just adore you. I'm so excited. This is going to be such a fun conversation. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be talking about podcasting and all the things that you guys can't see, but she has the most epic headset right now. And I'm over here with like my <laughs> Apple iPhone plug-in headphones here. So hi, hi. Um, it's because I wanted to be Britney Spears. I just wanted I'm to here feel for like it. I was Britney. So here we are. <laughs> I love it. So can you just walk us through a little bit about like your story, how you started the podcast, all the things? Yeah. So I feel like a lot of people listening and can connect with my story where I did the thing that I thought that I was supposed to do, checked all the boxes, got there, looked around and I was like, oh crap. <laughs> like, I don't feel mm -hmm. fulfilled by this path at all. And I, I was actually in the corporate world working in IT project management, engineering, recruiting before I got into the entrepreneurial space. And I just like had this gut feeling that I was shoving down often that I wanted more, but I didn't know what more was for me. And mm -hmm. when I say that, I mean, more alignment and fulfillment and just yeah. impact. So uh, back in January of 2014, I started my first business on the side of a corporate job, ended up leaving, building that, left the corporate world in 2015. And then after building that business for about four years, I got that gut feeling again, that something was off. And this time it was more confusing because I was making a lot more money. I was making a lot more impact. I was getting to speak on really cool stages, but I didn't want to do that business anymore. Mm -hmm. And part of my identity was wrapped up into that business. So for anyone listening into this, it's like, you know, when you've done something for a really long time and you're kind of known for that and it's, it's successful, especially on paper, you're like, Oh, like it feels really confusing to want to make the change to do something else. And again, I didn't know what that next thing was. Mm -hmm. It's the ultimate, like giving up good and going for a great situation, right? My back wasn't against the wall. I didn't have to make a change. I didn't have some crazy story of overcoming. It was just like, yeah. I wanted to feel really passionate and make my one shot here, you know, count. So when I was feeling that way, I decided that I would build, or I would start building my podcast community, which was at the end of 2018. So about three and a half years ago. And the intention was, I didn't feel as if there were a lot of personal growth podcasts where they were very like, come with me, let's figure this out together. Let me pull back the curtain and be more transparent. I felt like there were a lot of women that were maybe a few steps ahead of me and they were giving me advice in hindsight, which was helpful. And there's definitely a need for experts in this space. But I was like, gosh, what about the women that feel so confused and feel like they're lost and they're ugly crying on their bathroom floor, like with their snot and their mascara getting together. They're like, oh, like, what about that? And and that was me. And I didn't feel like there were enough people that were willing to be transparent. But when you've got this like idea on your heart, I think you're the person that's supposed to make it happen. Um, especially if it's not being represented the way that you think it should. So I started the podcast with that intention. I would literally bring on guests where I would Google books. Like I feel lost. And I would see who wrote a book about that. And then I bring them on the I show love and it. I would ask them questions that my audience would connect with you. Um, the community grew very quickly, very, a very engaged community around the show. And then I basically built my entire business off of asking my community what they wanted from me and then just creating what they wanted. And that's what I've been always doing in the business space too, is I don't like behind closed doors, create things and then launch it into the world and hope that it sticks. I co-create with my community. I'm like, Hey, I'm Love thinking that. about doing this. What do you think? And I'm constantly doing market research and asking for feedback. So I never worry about something like flopping because mm -hmm. they asked for it and they created it with me. And, um, that's how the podcast has grown. And that's kind of how I got here, I guess. <laughs> I love it. Everything is kind of like built off of this, which I'd love to really dive into the podcasting world, yeah. you know, and 
you know, just even I'm so intrigued just with your success over the last few years, you know, scaling this podcast to over 3 million downloads in like the last few years, which is just incredible. So I'm just curious, you know, what intrigued you about podcasting versus like other platforms, you know, say YouTube, whatever. Yeah. Um, I just really value transparency so much. And I think there's a lot of carefully curated fluffy stuff in Mm -hmm. social media. And I'm not a big fan of like doing things just so the algorithm can favor it. Like I want to talk about what I want to talk about and I want to do it in a really open raw way. So podcasting felt like it was the best platform for that because I Mm -hmm. also know that my target demographic with the show, they're super busy, right? They're on the go. They're listening to this in the car. They're a lot of women in my community tell me they listen in the shower because I have like very short episodes Mm -hmm. or why they're getting ready. So YouTube, while it's a really important and more SEO favored platform than podcasting is, a lot of people aren't sitting down that are by target demographic. They have like young kids. They're trying to juggle their business and their full-time job. And they're like, I don't sit down and watch a video. Like I barely even drink coffee. My coffee's always cold. Like that's Mm kind of the take that they've given me. So I knew that it was the right platform for the audience that I wanted to serve. And then also, I think it's really important of asking yourself, like, do you like podcasts, right? So obviously someone listening into this, you love listening into podcasts, but I loved the platform because I felt like it was, I could be a fly on the wall to conversations. I could borrow belief from people that were sharing about their story and about their life, or even before I had friends, like I have now that I feel like are, you know, people that look more like my future than my past. I didn't have those people around me. So the power of proximity to get access to them in a way that was convenient and could fit into my lifestyle was huge. So I just knew, I mean, also when I was like seven, I had a talk show called Keisha, the koala bear show. So I think I was like built for this. <laughs> I love it. I love that you said that too, about like being in proximity, because I felt the same way too. When I started in the podcasting, you know, world, even back in corporate, I was always listening to podcasts while I was doing my work in my office and people were like, what are you listening to? I'm like, nothing nothing. Oh, <laughs> um, I love it. And I think, you know, podcasting has blown up over the last few years. You know, I started my podcast when it was, um, you know, right during the pandemic. And it was at the time where you could even find like a microphone because it was so popular. So, yeah. but on the flip side, I hear people now say, you know, podcasting is a little bit saturated. So like, why is, if someone's listening it now, they don't have one, like why is now the time to start one? Yeah. So people say that it's saturated, which I think is so funny because in comparison to like blogs or YouTube or any other social platforms and like it's, we've just scratched the surface on it because there's over 2.3 million podcasts right now, but of those 2.3, less than half of them have released an episode in the last 90 days and less than half of those have released more than 10 episodes. So I'm not going to do math of the flying hand, but like, that's a really slow percentage of people that are actually showing up and being consistent. So not only is it way less compared to other platforms, but it's also just the barrier to entry is so low. Um, meaning like anyone can start a podcast. It's actually not that difficult to start a podcast, but when you know who you want to serve and you actually consistently show up and serve it, that's how you can get a ton of traction with your show. And I think a lot of people go into it with the intention of, I want to monetize it really quickly, or I'm doing this to grow it as fast as possible because we live in this instant gratification culture where we think, you know, when we get to X amount of millions of downloads or whatever it is, we do that more 
more quickly that that makes us more quote unquote successful. But my perspective has always been like, if you love the, the process of it, if you like the platform of it, people can feel that you do. Mm-hmm. And the, the audience that you have, then they tell the friend who tells a friend who tells a friend and grassroots it grows where you can have depth of connection, like no other platform through podcasting. Because again, you're on the go with it, with people in their ears. It's just so different. It's mm-hmm. so much more intimate. So even okay. though like, you know, at this point that we're recording this, we're about to hit like 6 million downloads of the show. So it's grown like crazy, but truthfully, even at the beginning, when I had way less listeners, the depth of the connection, like those are my life for people that no matter what program product event service I create, they're like, yes, I've been with you since, you know, you first started this. I feel like I grew up with you. I feel like we were connected Mm -hmm. on such a deep level. I want to do whatever it is that you're a part of. And you can't get that type of loyalty through how great your email funnel is. Like, I don't care about your email funnel. I agree to like depth of connection. And especially another thing that just really is bugging me right now is this focus on growth, 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 like get as many Instagram followers as you can. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how can you scale intimacy? That's what I want to know. That's why I, I do things that. like my text list. And I like really spend a lot of time interacting with people in DMS about the show because I want to get to know what's going on in Sarah's life because, you know, or Ashley's life, because those two individuals matter to me more than just like a number by my name on Instagram. You know, Mm. I love that you said that, like scaling through intimacy, which is so, so powerful because I do hear that a lot too, where there's, you know, okay, should I start a podcast? Cause I want to increase my reach so quickly. And I'm like, okay, it takes time. And you, you and I both know, you know, with podcasting, it's a lot of work to put on Mm -hmm. a podcast episode. There's a lot of costs with team putting it together. So for those that are listening in that are seeing in the uh, beginning stages, right? Like what are some of the things they should be thinking about when they're starting? Uh, I'm curious. I think first ask yourself the motive of why you're doing it, right? Because to your point, it's more of a long game, right? At this point, you know, my podcast alone with just ads makes over six figures and we've generated a lot of income from the podcast, but at the beginning, if that's the focus, you're going to feel really frustrated because in order to bring on like a flat rate sponsor, that's typically when you get to a certain like amount with your downloads that it actually makes sense for the sponsor to get the ROI based off of what they're paying you. Mm-hmm. You can start monetizing straight out the gates in terms of like affiliate marketing or obviously driving traffic to your existing products or programs and creating more visibility. But I also think it's like asking yourself, what are some of the things that I'm looking for as a podcaster that I can help myself get now? And for me, it was fulfillment of the transparency Mm -hmm. of getting to really connect with people. It was trying to figure out like what in the world I wanted to do with myself, if I'm honest. Like I didn't know what business I wanted to do next. I didn't know that all this was coming. I just had this gut feeling that was like, I think a podcast could be something really cool. What if you just decided to stay consistent with it for a year and see what happens? And that was kind of the like... Mm -hmm way that I started it was like, where do I think I'd want to go with this? Well, I know I want to build a community and I know I want to do it in a very transparent way. Having that as one of your motives is a really strong way to actually continue showing up because you can get caught up in like the rankings and the downloads and the new and noteworthy and blah, blah, all this crap and how many reviews. And, and I just don't worry about the vanity metrics. Although the funny part about that is when you don't worry about that, those things come, Mm -hmm. which then puts us in the top charts and puts us, you know, all the downloads and all that crap. But I just think when you're first starting, I want you to number one, think like, what is the actual motive? Am I willing to commit to the long game, right? It's not like this is going to take you 800 million hours a week. Like you're, you can do this and it's manageable, but you have to actually want to do this and be committed to doing it for a long time. Otherwise you become one of those statistics where you started it and then you stopped. The caveat to that, I guess, is if you've had this idea on your heart to start a podcast, you're not going to know if you like it until you start. 
right? Mm -hmm. So part of, you know, part of this too is like, well, maybe it is that you start a podcast and you recognize this isn't the platform that I like. And I thought that I would great. Then at least, you know, process of elimination, then you can move on to another platform rather than sitting in analysis paralysis, thinking that you're going to know if it was right when you never even started it. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning, I think just like asking yourself a lot of really good questions about the direction and like, what is your vision with this, but then Mm -hmm. also getting crystal clear on the person, um, and the stage of life that the person is in that you're most excited to serve. Cause that can differentiate you so much. And it's not like just niche in marketing from my perspective, it's more so like, what are the feelings that this person's feeling? Say they're, you say you're wanting to start a business podcast. It's like, what stage of business is that person in and what are the things that are coming up for them? And how can you specifically relate to that exact stage? Because then people feel like you've got cameras in their house and they really connect with you. And then that's what really takes it to a whole new level. I love that so, so much. And, you know, one of the things that you've um, spoken about too, is like kind of the conversations that you're happening to, you gave this um, really, really good example. And I'm going to butcher it right now, but how it's like, kind of like looking back and like grabbing the person's hand versus looking all the way back and talking down to people. Like, can you just explain that? Because I thought that was so, so helpful. Yeah. So as far as positioning with your show, I think that's like, so once you've determined why am I doing this? Am I going to do this for the long haul? And then you're trying to figure out like, who is it that I want to serve? What stage of life are they in? Kind of like figuring out who your niche is, but more so so you can visualize that person when you're actually recording. Because Mm -hmm. for anyone listening in that wants to start a show or has a show where you ever record solo episodes, that's a whole different ballgame because you're not picking up on somebody else. You're like literally recording by yourself, which I do a lot of those. So you have to be able to visualize someone. But then to your point, I think what's been really powerful for me is straight out the gates, I determined my own positioning where the example that you're referring to is you could have the position where you're the expert and you're like, I'm the expert in this. And this is what I'm going to teach you. And it's a teacher style podcast. Those are definitely needed. My show is not like that at all. Um, in fact, if my show would have been like that, I would have struggled a ton with imposter syndrome because I would have felt like I didn't know what I was doing and that I was pretending, which is essentially what imposter syndrome is. Like when you're pretending that you're, you're faking it. I'm like, I can't do that because I don't feel like I'm an expert in anything. So instead I was like, okay, what about if my positioning was, you know, come with me. It's like, we're girlfriends. The positioning is, Hey, like, let me take my hand, like for sake of imagery, right? Like, let me take my hand, take it back and just like pull you next to me because we're actually on the same level here. I might be a couple steps ahead of you, but I can get you here with just like a little bit of inspo and maybe just a couple of little action steps versus the podcast that made me honestly want to start my show is because a lot of them were like, oh yes, five years ago. So it feels like they're like talking back to me like this, Mm -hmm. you know, five years ago, I was in your stage. I remember what it was like. I'm like, yeah, you have all this clarity now and you're super successful in your business now. So of course you can talk about when you felt like you sucked. Like what about if only two months ago you felt like you sucked? That's what I want to know. Right. So when you're thinking about your podcast straight out the gates, thinking of who is it that's listening into it? My avatar, her name is Ashley, and she's only a couple steps behind me because she's got this gut feeling that she wants more and she's trying to get more clarity. I've got a little bit more clarity than she does, but I'm going to be honest when I don't too. And so when you're thinking about that, I think that's a really powerful way to cultivate a strong community because they can feel it from you. A lot of people don't want to be preached at, and especially in the personal growth space, Um, but then owning what you know, right? Like there are things that I know, like I've taught hundreds of women have launched podcasts. I know this. I I know I can talk about this. I just don't like 
in the personal growth space, pretending to be an expert. Like I'm not an expert in time management or effective communication styles. Cause I'm like, I'm growing so much that like what I told you three months ago is probably not even going to be relevant in three months, you know? So I love it. So good. And I love that example too, because, um, to what you said before, you know, I definitely realize like those types of podcasts that are talking almost like down to you versus um, kind of alongside. So for those that are listening in that say, do you have a podcast? Cause you do have a lot of people in this community that do have their own shows. You know, I'm curious at what point did you start to monetize a podcast? Any pointers for those that are thinking about doing it, um, pitching brands for sure. So First, like when you're actually going to monetize your show, I want to first think about like, how can I get my community more engaged even leading up to that? So for example, when you have call to actions in your show, maybe you're telling someone, I see this a lot with podcasters where they say, if you liked this episode, share it on social media and tag me and leave a review and send it to your friend and post it on Facebook. It's like, whoa, if you tell me to do five things, I'm doing zero for sure. So anyone listening in that has a podcast, any type of call to action that you have in your show of asking your audience to do something, just pick one thing. I've seen 99% of the time with a few exceptions of maybe people that don't use social media. I'm thinking of a woman that started a police podcast and they don't talk a lot about this on social media, but, um, that you want to share it on social and get social proof because if Sarah tells her friends, then her friends are much more likely to listen into it. So taking one call to action and making sure that you're actually just telling people to do that and why, for example, um, thanks so much for listening into the show. If you liked it, will you share it on social media and tag me because I want to make sure that I'm adding really valuable content to you. And as much as I picture us, like we're chatting over coffee, I can't actually see you. So let me know if you connect with it. Right. Cause it just kind of raises the necessity that they're actually going to show up and share it. If you can build your community to start to interact with you more through other platforms, whether that's a text list or any, I'm not big on email list, but maybe it's an email list, mine's a text list or on social, then you can start to build that connective tissue. So it makes a lot more sense when you do bring on brands or you've got products or programs because you've already started that two-way conversation, which makes it easier to sell and makes it easier to position. So I would start with that first of asking yourself if you're ready to monetize How can I make sure that I'm starting to like build that community? So they're speaking to me and we can have more fluid conversations outside of just them listening into your show. Mm. Then at that point, it's thinking, okay, what products, programs, services, offers, events, whatever it is, if you have something that you've already created, then, I mean, honestly, I have, I make the most income from plugging my own things on my show more than I even do from sponsorships because it's your own product. So you can create an ad and put it in the middle of your show. I've always found mid-roll ads do a lot better than the very beginning of an episode, just because someone's already getting into the juice and then they hear an ad in the middle and they're just going to listen through it versus most episodes. I mean, I'll say for myself, if I listen to a show and there's an ad at the beginning, I'm just skipping through them. Mm -hmm. I'm not even listening, but if it's in the middle and I'm doing dishes and my phone's on the other side of the room and I have headphones in, then I'm like, ah, whatever. I'll just listen to this ad, like about whatever it's about. So thinking of that positioning. And then as far as if you're wanting to bring on sponsorships, I think a lot of like shiny object syndrome happens with sponsors, but a lot of people can make more income with affiliate marketing, meaning, you know, a brand or a company gives you a code. And when people use that code, you obviously get paid on the back end for them using the code. And um, with sponsorships, there's a couple of different ways that you can do it where a sponsor can pay you a flat rate 
And normally they want to do a trial run for like a month to make sure that there's an ROI for that flat rate. So for example, say you get $3,000 for a, a plug on your show. They want to make sure that they're going to get whatever rate is right for them. A lot of times it's like 2.5 X that return of people that use your code to pay you that flat rate. And then you can sign a contract to keep that flat rate. A lot of people, it makes more sense to do the affiliate way. It kind of just depends on where you're at in terms of downloads because they'll take your downloads and they'll come up with a number. Um, it's called CPM. You can Google how they do this, but that typically is not going to earn you as much income as affiliate will until you're at the place where you're at maybe 25,000 downloads a month at least. Then you can kind of negotiate a little bit more. But the other thing to keep in mind if you're wanting to work with brands is to think of yourself holistically, right? So your email list or your text list and your social media following or any groups that you're a part of, your previous customers, how many people that you work with and your podcast downloads all together is part of your total media package. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we get caught up in like, oh, my podcast doesn't have that many downloads. Well, you've got, you know, a 15,000 person email list. Like that's huge. And a brand can work with you if you're wanting to get that flat rate sponsorship. So truly the most income that I make is from my own products, programs, services. Um, I started with more of like the affiliate model. Now I do have flat rate sponsors on my show, but it's at the point that we are at 250,000 downloads a month. So it made sense because then I felt like I could partner with them and give them the mm -hmm. ROI and strategically bring on brands that I really love that I also knew my community would love. So, um, that's kind of, yeah, I don't know if you have more specific questions about that. That's kind of the so landscape good. Of how I think about it. Yeah. So good. And I'm curious as you've, you know, now you've monetized your podcast, you've had some really notable guests on your podcast too, and things like that. Like, have you ever felt any imposter syndrome during that time of like pitching larger brands or anything along those lines? Cause I feel like that comes up a lot. Yeah. So the, I think of imposter syndrome in two ways. One is I want to stretch myself and I want to grow to the point that I feel uncomfortable calling my shot on things because I literally know that I'm not capable of doing it yet. Um, and when I'm moving towards that, I feel this like in my body, it feels like, Ooh, like kind of like, mm -hmm. I don't really know a word for it, but it just feels so uncomfortable. I crave that, especially as humans, like we love contribution and we want to feel like we're showing up. We don't want to get to the end of our TBD amount of days here and be like, whoa, I made it. I got to the end. It's like, mm -hmm. I want to feel like I really showed up. So when I feel that discomfort, which is kind of like an imposter syndrome of like, who am I to do this? Can I actually handle this? I feel like I'm at the party now. Like I'm mm -hmm. in the game. If I never feel that I'm so like, I'm, I'm honestly just feel like I'm settling. Like, I don't feel like I'm really showing up. So when I get that imposter syndrome from that perspective, I kind of just welcome it because I feel like that means I'm actually showing up and I let myself feel proud of myself that I'm willing to work through that discomfort and know that there's a distance between where I am now and where I want to go. And every single time that I'm showing up, keeping promises to myself, I'm getting closer. I'm like qualifying myself to be able to handle that bigger vision. So mm -hmm. I, I let myself lead into that. And then on the other side of it, I don't fake it because it's hard enough to human, right? I, like just mm -hmm. go through life being a human, an imposter of someone who's like playing a part or acting, trying to pretend like your ish is together all the time. Like I'm just not willing to waste my energy. And I, I got a crap ton of energy, but I am not wasting it on acting my way through life. So whenever you're feeling that imposter syndrome or you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't want people to find this out. I would actually challenge you to share that thing. 
right? To share it on your podcast, to share it on social media, to pull back the curtain more and be more vulnerable. Because whenever I talk about things that are real for me that are coming up on the podcast, those are the episodes that get the most shares and downloads and people reaching out to me about it. Cause they're like, dang, like, I feel like you actually get me. I feel so grateful that you're so open about this. Cause nobody's talking about this. Right. Um, you know, I even did that with, when we, we started selling tickets for our first live event and I, even though I had talked to a lot of women that are in this space that have done big events like that, and they had said, you won't sell out your event in the first 48 hours. I know you're excited, but like, that just doesn't happen for your first event. And I was like, but maybe it will. And we sold uh, 200 tickets to a 500 person event in the first like 24 hours. It was wild. And then I was like, well, we're probably just going to sell 200 more in the next 24 hours. And we didn't, we were about half sold out at the point that we're recording this. And at first I had to catch myself in real time where I was like, oh my gosh, wait, I didn't sell out my event in the first 48 hours. And then I had to stop and say like, hold on, how is this serving me right now? Because think about how uninspiring it would be for women in my community that listen into my show that want to host their own events. If I sold out my event in 48 hours by just having a large podcast community. And I didn't know how I did it. I didn't know how to market it. I didn't know what email subject lines worked because I just announced it and it sold out. Like that would actually be really not helpful for me as a business owner. It'd be really uninspiring for my community that I really deeply care about serving unless I had to actually figure this out. And it would rob me of the fulfillment when it does sell out that I would feel like I worked to sell it out. Right. So Mm -hmm. I actually chose to do a podcast episode about that where I was like, so often, like we have to redefine what success criteria is for us in real time. And if we're willing to be open about it and I was like, should I share this? Like, is that, is that weird to share? And I was like, Oh, like, I don't know. Like, can I actually do this event? And that imposter syndrome was coming up. And as soon as I was like, Oh no, I have to talk about this because other women can connect with this in so many different aspects of their life. And I did. And I cannot even tell you, it actually did sell a lot of tickets too. But beyond that, that actually wasn't the intention. It was more so just to be more open and Mm -hmm. people really connect with that. So if you're feeling the feels good, welcome to the club. It means you're growing, but also welcome to an opportunity to make a future version of you proud when you push through this and inspire a crap ton of people along the way, if you're willing to talk about it. Mm, I love that so, so much. And also, um, Gabby Bernstein's new book that just came out happy days. Do she talks about that. And literally she opens up the book saying it was like her publisher saying like, you're being too vulnerable here. And like that stood out to me. And I love that you mentioned that because even for myself, I noticed it's like when I even like pull back the curtain and talk about those things that I might be going through or things like that. Um, I get the most DMS and most conversations started Mm. just from that. So I love that you said that. Um, you're incredible. So like, talk to us, like what's coming up for you You have this event, anything that we should be looking forward to, um, in your world. And like, how can people connect with you, follow you, work with you, all the things. You're so sweet. I just love you. Thank you so much. This is so fun to chat. I could like talk to you about this for 800 million hours. Um, (laughs) so, uh, what's coming up is yeah, our first live event. That's what I'm really excited about because when I started the podcast, I wanted to learn more about myself and cultivate a community, but I also knew back then the importance of women getting in the room and meeting like-minded women that when you tell them your vision, or even just that you want like an exceptional marriage or health or whatever it is in your world, that they hear that and they're like, oh girl, me too. How can I help you? How can we do this together? I just know the power of it. It's been so powerful for me. So our first live event is going to be in Phoenix, uh, Arizona, October 21st through the 23rd, 500 women. We've got eight powerhouse keynote speakers, people that have been really inspiring to me in my journey as a podcaster, but more so as a human. Um, 
So I'm really excited about that. And it's really about like connecting women. So there's lots of opportunities to connect with like-minded women there. So I'm excited about that. And then as far as courses, I have a course that takes you from idea to launching your podcast in four weeks that's done in a cohort. I'm really big on community, obviously. Um, and then we have a one-on-one -on -one program that helps existing podcasters grow, scale, and monetize. It's working with me more closely. So mm, those are my, love those are my things. <laughs> so good. I'm going to include the links to your event in the show notes here and all the links, but you were just incredible. And just thank you for taking the time out on a Friday morning to have this conversation with me. Um, I just love you as a person and I'm so excited for your event. Thank you so much. Hannah. I appreciate you girl.